0: I think every single human is creative. It doesn't matter what the end result looks like, whether it's a mess on the paper or whatever it is, it's the journey of being creative. It's the act of it that's important and that's what adds joy to our life. And I found that when I make time to be creative every week, my life just
1: flows.
2: Welcome to Rights for Women, podcast all about celebrating women's voices and supporting women writers. I'm Pamela Cook, women's fiction author, writing teacher, mentor and podcaster. Before beginning today's chat, I would like to acknowledge and pay my respects to the Dharawal people, the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is being recorded, along with the traditional owners of the land throughout Australia, and pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging and a quick reminder that there could be strong language and adult concepts discussed in this podcast, so please be aware of this if you have children around. Now, let's relax on the convo couch and chat to this week's guest.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the first August edition of Rights for Women. Today's edition is a Heart of Writing episode, And it's great to be back after having a month off. I really needed a little bit of a break from preparing and recording the podcast and editing it. It does take quite a bit of time to do all that. And I just wanted to have some time to focus on my writing and also to prepare the uh, podcast for the rest of the year to have a look at who I wanted to chat to in the various episodes and to work out a schedule. So I'm really happy to say that I've had Great success doing that. I've got a, a really great lineup coming up for you in the next few months. And thank you, everybody, for tuning back in. I hope that you've enjoyed maybe some other podcasts over the last few weeks. And I hope that you've caught up on the backlist if there were episodes that you didn't listen to. Of course, we did have the rewind episodes with Claire G. Coleman, which was a NADOC week special rewind, and also with Tess Woods her light bulb Moments episode. And then we had the fabulous Christine Wells talking about her new release, Sisters of the Resistance. So if you missed any of those episodes, they're all available on the podcast wherever you get that. And they're also available on the Rights for Women website. I'm gradually getting all the uh, of this year's episodes up onto the YouTube channel as well. That does take a little bit more editing, although they're not as heavily edited as the audio. So don't forget, you can always actually watch Uh, the chat between me and the guest on the Convo Couch on the Rights for Women YouTube channel. So without further ado, my guest this week is Karen Sepulveda. Karen is an author, podcaster, producer, and creator of short guided meditations, mainly for writers and creatives, but for anybody who, who wants to have a try at meditating. Through writing about characters triumphing over adversity, interviewing women about their strengths, and designing meditations that help the listener tap into their own creativity, Karen hopes to spread compassion and connection. She offers courses on creativity, guided meditations, and has a fabulous podcast, Letters to Our Yesterday, which I think came out of her uh, first novel, which I'm going to talk to Karen about today. And on the podcast, she speaks to strong, inspiring women. She also has a blog where she posts about her own creative journey, and you can find all this on her website. We'll tell you where that is at the end of the episode. In addition to all this, Karen has a brand new fiction release, The Women's Circle, published by Ventura Press. It's a heartwarming and inspirational portrayal of inner strength and vulnerability about the true power of female friendship in all its forms. And having read it, I suspect that it's heavily inspired by Karen's own experiences with creativity, meditation and life in general. So let's join Karen on the Convo Couch for another Heart of Writing episode. So, Karen, welcome to the Rights for Women Convo Couch. Thank you, Pamela. I'm so excited to be here. You know, I'm a big fan of this podcast. I listen to it often, so it's exciting to be here. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you for listening. So, before we get on to talking about the women's circle, can you tell us a little bit about your own background in the whole creative journey and, and how that has panned out for you? Yeah, definitely.
0: I think it started for me, I was dead set that I was going to be an actor when I finished high school. So, that's where I kind of channeled all my creativity. And, and I did that for the whole time I was in uni. That was my compromise with my parents. I could pursue acting if I did a uni degree at the same time. So I studied teaching at uni, but I really put all my effort into acting and just loved it so much. But when I decided, okay, that's not really the career path I want to take, and I I took up teaching instead, I really missed. I didn't know what I missed. I just knew I felt lost, and it kind of clicked to me that it was the creativity I was missing, so... Instead, I started a theatre and education company, you know, where you make up the plays and you go and travel to all different primary schools and present them. So I did that for a couple of years and had so much fun doing that. But it wasn't a sustainable career when I had my daughter because of all the travelling around. And again, just when I kind of stopped it, that weird lost feeling came up again. And I recognised it as missing the creativity. So I I thought well I might try telling these stories as books instead and I just had a go at starting to write some short stories and did a few courses and just really fell in love with writing and the process of writing and learning about the structure and all of that so I enrolled in a a master's of creative writing at Macquarie Uni and I did that and that's where my real love of creating a novel came from and just the whole process of getting that spark of an idea and then yeah, following that through to make an entire storyline, an entire book about these characters. So, yeah, I really fell in love with, with the writing process, I think, as well.
1: So you can really see all the interconnectedness between the different <laughs> things you've done too in terms of your acting and then, you know, doing the theatre work, your masters, yeah. and then, then bringing that all into your writing. That's fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> And I have to say, I've interviewed a few authors now on the podcast who actors, but, you know, that was their original career choice. Yeah. Anna, Anna Downs is one that comes to mind. Yes, yeah, I've that one.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah, is another. And I think that that whole acting experience and actually getting into a character's skin when you're acting must transfer really well into writing. Do you find that? I think it definitely does because when you do
0: acting you get so involved in a character and you just you know you feel what they feel and you imagine that you are them and it's exactly the same when you're writing you're putting yourself into that character's shoes and you're kind of essentially being them for a little while as you write their story so it's very similar to acting I find and I think as well with acting I don't know what other people have said that you've spoken to but I find it really has helped when I write dialogue as well I always read the dialogue out loud and go back to what I used to do when I was acting and you can kind of hear what works and what doesn't work in
1: that way it must be really helpful that's great well Biff I want to come back to all this sort of creativity and your work with meditation around writing and all that later but Before we do that, the Women's Circle is out now. It's recently released and I've been reading it and it's fabulous. It's really drawn me in. And I'd just like to ask you if you can tell us what it's about.
0: Yeah, of course. It's funny because before I started telling people what it was about, I used to just kind of freeze and say, I don't know how to explain this story, but I've gotten better at it, thank goodness. So we start with Anna, who is um, the protagonist from the contemporary storyline, and we start with her actually being released from jail. It's her last day in jail. That's where the story starts. And we follow her as she has to move into a boarding house, which is where she'll spend her six months of parole with other women who have been released from jail as well. And she's got her social worker, Jeanette, who is there to kind of help her get set up and find a job and, you know, start to kind of rehabilitate. And as part of her rehabilitation, she has to find some sort of, some form of therapy to do. And she actually sees an advertisement for a women's circle and she's really drawn to that. And she goes along and it's this circle run by this wonderful lady called Nina. And it's a place where women can kind of come and gather together and speak and listen to each other. And and it's all very bizarre for Anna. It's nothing that she's ever done before, but she's really drawn to Nina and they kind of bond quite quickly. And while she's at this women's circle, there's this beautiful rose quartz crystal that sits in the middle of the circle. And when Anna touches it, she has this really weird um, vision of a woman Who's from a completely different point in time. And from then on, she starts dreaming about this woman, and then we start seeing her life. And her name is Ashleen, and she's from um, 1770, in an English village which was called Quarendon. And this is a really brutal kind of village because this regime has taken over where they separate all the women from each other. So they're married off at 18, they can't have any contact with women at all from then on, and the punishment is really harsh. It's death if they, if they defy the rules. But Ashleen starts getting this courage where she wants to start meeting with women secretly and she just feels this hope rising that maybe if they come together,
1: they can overthrow the regime and, and get their, their rights back. I actually had goosebumps just then when you were talking about it It, it's such a powerful setup for the story and the connections between the women that happen in both the modern day storyline and then going back in time with Ashley which is such a lovely name too I love that yes it's one of my favorites it's it's almost like a olden day handmaid's tale in a way or it's got sort of connotations of it hasn't it yeah a few people have said that Yeah. yeah So where did the inspiration for the story
0: come from? Okay, for Ashleen's story, I truly can't tell you where the inspiration came from. All I know is that I started writing about her probably two years ago and I wrote a short story with that kind of situation for her. And I wrote it and left it because I didn't know what else to do with it but yeah it was very similar to what I've got in the book that's what I had written but then for Anna's storyline the inspiration actually came from two different interviews that I did for a podcast that I used to have and where I interviewed different women about their life journey and one of the interviews I spoke to this lady who runs a women's circle so it wasn't something I'd ever heard of a women's circle but I'd been put in touch with her from someone else and said oh what she's doing is really interesting you should chat to her so we did and we did this Awesome interview and it was all this stuff I'd never really heard of about energy healing and women gathering together and meditating and I was so fascinated and she encouraged me to stay afterwards for the circle because it was actually going to happen like an hour later or something so I stayed and I, I did this circle and it was so bizarre and strange because so it's exactly like in the book you have to start the circle by Going up to each woman and gazing into their eyes for three breaths and then hugging if you want to hug. And it's really blown when you meet someone for the first time to do that, you know. So at first I was so uncomfortable and I thought, oh, I just want this hour to be over, I want to get out of here. But as we sat and the facilitator led us through a meditation together, and it was so relaxing and beautiful. And then that just kind of softened me to the experience. And I started listening to the women when they spoke and And when it came up to my turn, I really surprised myself and I shared something I'd been through and everyone listened to me and it just felt like being held by these women that i never met and, you know, we cried and laughed. And as I left, I hugged them and they really felt like old friends. So it was a really beautiful experience and I knew I have to include that in a book one day. So I just kind of made a mental note of that and thought I'll come back to that when I have an idea. And then the second inspiration is a sadder one. So I interviewed a, a really wonderful woman and we were speaking about her work with refugees but, and we had a great chat. But once we finished recording, I think because we made quite a connection, she just kind of really opened up to me about um, an experience she was going through where her daughter had been really suffering drug addiction for years. I think it had been about four or five years that she'd been through rehabilitation and gone back and it had been going on for a long time and she shared so much with me and it was so painful and just really horrific and it was like seeing this dark world that I didn't know much about but we finished the conversation quite hopeful because her daughter had been rehabilitated and she was really hopeful that this was it you know she was going to overcome it and then a few months later um, I found out her daughter had died of an overdose it just felt so tragic and so hopeless I was so devastated for her and then the character Anna started coming to mind and I thought maybe I could tell that story and kind of delve into that darkness of that world but give it some hope and think maybe there could have been a different ending mm-hmm. and maybe there can be different endings for other people. So, yeah, that's where the inspiration came from.
1: It's a lovely connection that you draw between the two stories too. And it was interesting just listening to you talk about the, the women's circle. It brought to mind a similar experience I had, not so much in a, a woman's, women's circle like that, although it was all women <laughs> and we were yeah. sitting in a circle, but it was actually an equine therapy session that I had gone to for research when I was writing Cross My Heart. And yes. it was just amazing that when you were sitting in that space with people who were there with good intention and, and were opening up and preparing to listen and to actually share things and it's just amazing that yeah. when you get into those safe spaces, the way that you can just openly share things, isn't it? Absolutely. I think you're exactly right. When you, you're you setting that intention to all listen to
0: each other and to open up, it just makes, oh, it's, it's just so different to the normal interactions we'll have. You know, we might go out for dinner with people or make plans with people, but, you know, how often do you just sit and look someone in the eye and just share with each other? Like, yeah, it's mm. quite a unique
1: experience yeah and I love that connection it all puts us all on the same level doesn't it that we're all just human beings and so Anna is Chilean she's from Chile originally and you also go into her backstory in Mm. these flashbacks that occur throughout the book she comes out of prison and so the story is about her re-establishing her life outside of prison where did those particular ideas come from and and the whole idea of her coming from Chile and that that part of her storyline no so I'm not Chilean my husband's Chilean and he came to Australia when he was 10 and so my mother-in-law and I are really
0: really close so she's always shared with me her life story so part of me feels like I've lived in Chile as well I've never even been able to visit yet but it wasn't hard for me to write that part of the story I didn't even have to really check with them many details until right at the end I thought I better double check a few things here but, yeah, I just feel like I've been part of that experience with them. That was their village that they're from, um, the little town, sorry for floor, in Santiago, Chile. I think I'd, I always knew I wanted to try and include that culture in a book somewhere along the way. And yeah, it was a lot of fun to kind of play with their culture
1: throughout mm. the book as well. So once you got the these different strands of the storyline, Karen, how did you then go from having these really a, a number of disparate <laughs> ideas and then getting them all into the form of a yes. story.
0: I know. It was a little bit messy. It really was. I am a messy writer. I do write bits and
1: pieces. It's just
0: how I write. But if I think of the writing process for this book, it was actually really joyful. It never felt too hard for me to put together. I think the first I had that short story of Ashleen's, but I actually went back and finished her. I wrote more of that somewhere along the way. I don't know when. But I did end up writing about 15,000 words for her because I had the intention to write a full book and I just kind of said, no, that's actually all I've got to say with that. So I had most of her story put together. And then when I had the idea of Anna, I thought, oh, wouldn't it be amazing if she somehow found out about Ashley's story and by knowing about the strength of this woman that lived in this other time who, you know, against all odds is still trying to connect with women, I thought, wouldn't that be an amazing way to connect Anna to this past and see how um, women from the past affect our life now and I thought that'd be a really fun thing to kind of play around with so knowing that I was going to include Ashley's story I then went and wrote all of Anna's present day timeline and I was able to kind of mark out bits where I think Ash parts of Ashley's story would fit well. So I kind of knew where to put those in. So I did her present day timeline in one big chunk and then I went back and did her before chapters. So starting from Chile and moving on to when she moves to Sydney and I wrote that in one big chunk as well. So that was probably the hardest bit to piece together where to put her before where to put and there's the four chapters but yeah I just played around with it and it was kind of easier having the complete stories like that because it kind of became a puzzle that I could put together and I had full pieces to use as I did that mm. so yeah it was a messy but fun process mm.
1: <laughs> Well, we all have our own processes, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> they can be different for each book too. I, so.
0: I know. When I hear of writers who plan everything out, I always get really inspired. I'm like, I'm going to do that for my next book. I'm going to be so, I'm just going to plan everything. If that doesn't work for me, I just, I can't
1: do it. <laughs> I know. I've tried it too. It doesn't work for I me. <laughs> yeah. So when you got to the point where you thought this story's finished, yeah, what was your next step in looking for a publisher and and getting to that point where you, you know, signed a, a contract with a publisher?
0: Yeah, I think I was actually really apprehensive at first because I didn't know if this made any sense whatsoever. And it was the first draft I didn't share with anyone straight away. Normally I give my first draft to my mum straight away and I can really gauge from her whether it's working or not. But I was, I don't know, I was a bit scared of this one because I thought, is this too weird? You know, I'm talking about a crystal that connects people between time and Is that too strange for the publishing world? I really didn't know. And then so my first thing I did, I reached out to a mentor that I'd worked with before called Virginia Lloyd. So she offers a service where she kind of has a look at your first 50 pages and she tells you and your synopsis as well and kind of gives you feedback. So I sent it to her first. And I still remember getting an email from her and she was like, wow, Karen, this is really intriguing and I'm actually loving it. So that was kind of this big relief where I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, this is all right. It's not too weird at all. It makes sense. So once I had that, I felt a lot more confident and I did. She tried out a new little course she was doing with those four writers and we would meet together. I think it was each month we'd meet together on zoom and we had already sent her some chapters and we would all talk about the feedback she'd given us so we would all listen to each other's feedback so I, I think we did three meetings we did that for three months and that really helped me to de- develop the manuscript and get it up to that publishable level and then from there I just reached out to Ventura who I had published my first book with and letters to my yesterday in 20, 2018 and uh, yeah and they they really liked it. So they said yes quite quickly, which was great.
1: Great. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about Ventura because they're a small press, aren't they? And, and how do they yeah. differ from, say, one of the traditional publishers?
0: I think from what I've heard comparing, I think it's a much more personal kind of experience. So the editor, I think, of course, in big publishers you would work directly with your editor as well so my my editing experience was amazing with zoe at ventura and but i think also what would differ is that i would also talk to the marketing person we would have a direct a direct relationship as well and they asked for a lot of your input so i could give input into what i wanted the cover to look like it's kind of like a co-collaboration if that makes Mm -hmm. sense yeah kind of really just work together it's not them telling me okay this is what we're going to do for marketing it's okay what do you think what should we do and we just work together to kind of make that plan happen so yeah it's it's been an amazing experience working with them because jane who runs who's the publisher she's so experienced and so knowledgeable and to be able to ask her questions and you know have her advice and reassurance and yeah it's really been
1: wonderful When I looked on their website, there's actually a few authors who I have had on the the podcast previously who were published by Ventura too, which I had forgotten about, but they have a very large stable of authors on their books. They do, and I've enjoyed so
0: many of their books. So, yeah, it feels like a big honour to be part of that group of
1: authors from that publisher. Yeah. -hmm. How different has this time around been for you from the first time with Letters from My Yesterday? It's been really different. I think
0: this has been so much more relaxed. If that makes sense, I think with your first book, you have no idea what in the world happens once you release it. Like I remember, release day came, and I was like, "Okay, now what?" Like, I had no idea what to do. Whereas this time around, I feel like I learned so much the first time that I kind of knew what to expect. Even though it's all different because we're in the middle of a pandemic as well, so like, rules have been changed. Yeah. <laughs> um, just internally, I felt a lot calmer. A lot better about it and I think I just got to the point where you know at the end of the day it doesn't really matter what happens like all I all I hope for is that whoever's supposed to read this book will find it and I'm just proud of the fact that we got it out into the world it's there it's available for readers and I just hope that they find it that's really all I have so I think last time I had all these really high expectations I put on myself and thought well this has to happen this has to happen and I was really bitterly disappointed in the end because it didn't, you know, in, at the end of the day, most people are not going to be a bestseller or anything like that. Mm. So this time around I came into it with a much calmer kind of mindset where, wow, I've got this book out in the world and people get to read it and I, I get to have their feedback. So I'm, I'm really enjoying it a lot more
1: this time. Oh, that's fantastic. And I think as you say, I mean, every book that you have out, it's, it's a learning experience in every possible way again isn't it and absolutely yeah I think your mindset does change with with each book that you bring out and like you say I think that it's such a huge achievement a to finish a book B, yes. to, you know find a publisher and then to see it out there in the world as you say connecting with people who are meant to read it almost
0: and just to be grateful for that I think is the most important thing to just you know take time to celebrate that what that you've done that and be grateful for the experience I think it's really really important I definitely didn't do that last time I was mm-hmm. kind of like hey what's next what do I do next and
1: I didn't take the time to celebrate the moment well, let's go back a little bit to your characters in your book so we have Anna mm-hmm. your protagonist in the, the present day she's the main character in the book and is trying to adjust to life in the real world again and then we have Ashleen. Yeah. so You know, you've talked about them in terms of the overall picture, but can you tell us a little bit more about each of those characters? Yeah,
0: I'll start with Ashleen. I think. Yeah, she was wonderful to write because I just felt her strength emanating from her from the beginning, from the moment I started writing her character because I think she's been through so much and she lives in this time we're really women and nothing. And unfortunately, that's not far from the truth for a lot of history and still in some places in the world. So, yeah, kind of imagining how you live a life where you're treated that way, but you still have that spark of hope within yourself that things could be different one day. I thought that's the most amazing trait a character could have. So it was very special to write her, her experience in that way. And she's so brave when she goes out and tries to contact the other women, even knowing that death is is her likely punishment if she's caught. So for Ashleen, her husband that she's married to isn't a horrible man. He's actually a really loving and supporting person, but he also knows the reality they live in and realizes how how badly this could go for Ashleen, So she has to keep it hidden from him as well, that she's meeting in secret with these women. So as I wrote her story, I remember actually there's a chapter where I actually feel really scared for her because when we think she could be caught, I remember being like, oh, my God, I hope you're not caught, which is so weird because I'm the one making the
1: story up. (laughs) Well, it just okay. shows that your characters have taken on a life of their own, you know, and yeah. you're basically channelling that story, which is amazing. I think and, so, yeah. It's pretty magical, I think, when that happens. Yeah. And I have to ask that sort of regime that they lived under where women were basically treated like purely as possessions yeah. of men and had no rights whatsoever, yeah. was that actually a, a real place that existed and that that particular political system did that exist or was it something that sort of came to you through your imagination
0: no that's imagined so that time period and that regime that took over is totally imagined but the village is real so there was a a village in um, England called Quaridon and it was uh, flooded so that was true that the Mm -hmm. village was flooded and it was cut off from the rest of Britain and then it's like become a depopulated kind of village now. So there's ruins there that people can go and visit. So it was just me using my imagination of what could happen if a village was completely cut off from everyone else, what, what could go on there, mm-hmm. you know. And, I, you know, as I said before, I don't think it's much of a stretch of the imagination that regimes like this have existed and do exist in parts of the world and that this is something that women have 100% faced throughout history you know I'm not a historian at all so I don't know the specifics of when it would have happened but I know definitely women have been treated like
1: that Mm -hmm. and that's the beauty of fiction writing isn't it that you can take something that is a distinct possibility and actually make it real in your writing that's right you know there's an element
0: of truth in it but, yeah, like you said, the beauty of fiction is you don't have to be completely historically correct or anything like that. You've got that freedom to explore the what ifs. and Yeah, but also to think about, I think a really fascinating thing that I, I get my head caught up in a lot is I think we forget how lucky we are to be to be where we are now and what women have gone through in the past and still continue to go through all the time but you know really think about the way they've paved the way for us and and how does it affect our life now thinking about their experiences and what they've been through and what they've had to
1: overcome mm. and of course that is something that Anna learns from in the book so tell us yeah. a little bit more about Anna and her experiences yeah. without any spoilers of course okay
0: I'll try not to spoil anything <laughs> but. Yeah, I love Anna. I absolutely love her. She's got such a big heart, but she has so many faults to her as well. She's such a vulnerable person as well, but she's got this, she's just so strong and she puts up this exterior of strength and pushes people away and has kind of, I guess, accepted that her life is just going to be like that, that she's on her own and she's never going to be too close to anyone. That's kind of where we start her story. That's what she's come to accept. But it's fun to go back into her before chapters and see how close she was with her mum and her grandma before any of this happened and explore, okay, so what happens when you have childhood trauma where does that take a person you know does it open them up to vulnerable situations like drug addiction and and it was also fun to explore as well i guess that healing process for her And it's not that, okay, you've done a bad thing, you've you've been addicted to drugs, but you've rehabilitated now. Okay, you're like, you know, start again, out you go. It doesn't work like that. Like all of that trauma is within her and she has to heal from that. She has to work her way through it. And I think what helps Anna Roddy, she's got that beacon of light, which is Jeanette, her social worker, but who also works for that charity that helps women who come out of jail. So she's kind of the one putting her along and, reminding her that yeah okay you've had bad experiences but this is a new chance for you you know come on open up to it and you can see Anna really trying like okay life could be different and she tries really hard with that
1: that's very true and i love that in the the house the halfway house that she's living in when she comes out that you give us all different variations of women in that house too i mean they're all traumatized they've all been through horrible experiences and i love the way that you show the way each of them is coping and and some are doing better than others with coming back to the real world process.
0: Yes, yeah, Mm. because we do, I think, like I've never thought about that before, what happens to people when they come out of jail, how do they come back into society and how do they heal from what they've been through? Mm. It's not something I've ever thought too
1: much about. So by writing this book, it really gave me a new perspective on things like that as well. And so many of the issues in the book, Karen, after reading your bio and and seeing what you do with the other parts of your life, apart from writing, there obviously are things that are very important to you personally, that you're writing about the themes of the novel. You said you were a little bit worried when you first sent it out about how people would react to it with the crystal idea and all that sort of thing, and the the travelling back in time, you know, in her dreams and things. How has the reception been? What sort of feedback are you getting from readers?
0: I've been so happy with the feedback. I think that I just love that it's been accepted so easily, that that's what it is. Like no, not one person has ever said to me that that's weird. I think because it's quite grounded in such a normal story of Anna's, of the contemporary timeline first, I think that helps a lot. I love that people have said it's quite an original idea and it's opened them up to something that maybe they hadn't thought about before. I think we all have that bit of a curiosity within us of, well, what if? Like there's so many magical possibilities in this world. We definitely don't know everything just from our normal day-to-day reality. Really, anything is possible. Anything could exist. And I think psychic connections like entirely possible. I don't think it's too much of a stretch of imagination to believe that we could dream about someone from the past and there could be a message in that or we could touch an object and have a bit of a wee flash of a vision in our mind. Like, it's not too hard to believe and I think it's fun to believe mm. in things like that and explore it. So, yeah, I've been really happy with the reaction.
1: Have you had any feedback from people who have had experiences like that? Have people contacted you? No, not yet,
0: but oh my yeah. gosh, I want to. I hope people yeah. do. I love hearing that's my... Favorite thing I love hearing stories like that
1: I really enjoy yeah. it so I hope so <laughs> yeah I'm sure you will at some point and yeah. and the other thing about that I love that you're doing the storyline is that Anna herself of course finds it all hard to believe you know so there's yeah. that idea like you say that this is a possibility we can be open to possibilities like that in fiction and in life Yeah, absolutely she's such a skeptic and I think that if she can open up
0: to it and kind of you know, believe in it a little bit. It shows that we all can.
1: Yeah, mm, definitely. For sure. Well, that sort of brings me back full circle, pardon the pun, to, <laughs> uh, <laughs> to some of the other things that you're involved in. So, you run creativity courses on yeah. your, by your website and you have meditations available there. Can you tell us a little bit about those things? Yeah,
0: definitely. So, the creativity course, I created that because of an experience I had last year. So, in between it's been quite a while since my first book came out to my next one and in between that I had signed with an agent for my second book and really believed that that was going to be very successful and it kind of all just fell apart it got rejected from absolutely every publisher <laughs> including my own publisher and I just kind of crumbled when that happened Because I think I'd set these expectations of myself and I had thought, okay, well, once I have a book published and once I have an agent, that's it, I'm here, I've made it. And when it all crumbled, I realised, oh, it's not at all what I thought it was going to be. And I had to look at what I'd done, what I'd kind of told myself about being a writer I had gone from loving writing and just wanting to tell stories to taking it really really seriously and thinking that I had to kind of set my life around writing and achieve a certain amount of success to be a writer and I completely sucked all the fun out of it I sucked all the joy out of it and really all the creativity out of it as well and I didn't enjoy writing that second book which is obviously probably a big reason why it got rejected because my heart wasn't in it. Mm. Um, and it just made me realize what have I done? I had that lost feeling again, even though I was writing every day, because I'd forgotten what creativity is. And I really believe that creativity is supposed to be joyful, it's supposed to add and enrich our lives. It's supposed to be something that comes naturally to us. And it's not something you're either good at or you're not good at. It's just tapping into that part of yourself that wants to create freely and it opens up your imagination. So once I realised that, I kind of said, you know what, I don't care about any of this anymore. I'm not going to try and be a writer, whatever that means, be a successful writer. This can be a hobby for me. I'm only going to write if I love it and I enjoy it, and that's kind of where I started up writing the women's circle but before that I just spent a whole lot of time being creative for the sake of it I started painting with my kids I started trying to cook different dinners that I just wanted to explore new recipes and I just really concentrated on creativity it kind of coincided with my discovery of meditation as well and I discovered that when I would meditate my mind would calm all the way down and I would actually get some really creative ideas either during my meditation or just afterwards. So I I discovered that connection, I guess, between meditation and creativity. And then I created a few guided meditations to share with people that were, I guess, directly trying to open up creativity and kind of open up our heart, open up our minds to being creative just for the joy of it. And then that turned into making a very simple little course for people that You know, I'm sure you hear it all the time. People say, I'm not creative. Like, Mm -hmm. that's just not me. I'm not. But I don't believe that one bit. I think every single human is creative. It doesn't matter what the end result looks like, whether it's a mess on the paper or whatever it is. It's the journey of being creative. It's the act of it that's important. And that's what adds joy to our life. And I found that when I make time to be creative every week, my life just flows. If I stop that, I don't know it kind of feels like a dark cloud comes and I feel lost and I feel strange so yeah the creativity course is just my way of kind of passing on what I learned last year.
1: So much in there that I just so wholeheartedly (laughs) agree with Karen because I've taught writing for a long time and so many classes you know people walk in and the first thing they'll say is oh I'm not really creative I'm not creative at all you know and (laughs) That's the first thing I really want to shake out of them because I just like you I believe that we are all creative beings you know if we go back to our childhood and think about the things that we do as kids we paint and we draw and we make things out of play-doh and dirt and rocks we don't care at that point whether it's good or bad you know it's but as we get older this whole sense of judgment we put it upon ourselves other people's reactions become so much more important to us don't they and and Tapping in, like you say, to any type of creativity just takes you back to that yeah. sense of play and fun.
0: Yes, exactly. And that's the first part of my course is just doing childlike activities to tap into that inner child where you do, you just create for fun and it doesn't matter what it looks like. You don't care what anyone thinks or what yourself thinks of it. I think it's so important. There's just so much joy in creativity. Yeah. we kind of ruin it for ourselves with all our expectations.
1: We really do and, you know, I think as writers too, like it's fantastic to be published. It's, you know, a dream come true for many of us but it can, like you say, be that double-edged sword where you then put these horrendous expectations on yourself and you're trying to write to a market or to a certain idea of what you should create but if you let that go, sometimes you actually create something even better, you know. I think absolutely because you've given yourself freedom to write
0: whatever you want to write mm. and that's when your creativity is going to flow. I really believe
1: that. And what about meditation? So tell us about your experience with that. I've just gotten back into meditation myself. I've been doing some yoga yep. and meditation each morning, particularly awesome. during, during lockdown. And years ago yes. I did meditation <laughs> courses and loved it. But, again, yes. I've gotten out of the, the routine of doing that, you know, but I can really see the benefits in it. Could you tell us what you see could be the benefits for writers in meditating?
0: Definitely. I think the biggest thing about meditation is that it quiets your mind. So, I mean, it might not straight away because a lot of people also will say to me that they can't meditate because their mind is too busy and they can't stop thinking. And I was exactly the same to start with but i think that's where you just need to be kind to yourself and you know especially if you do a guided meditation where someone's kind of guiding you through the images and you can focus on that and not to be worried if other thoughts come in your mind who cares it doesn't matter you just kind of acknowledge the thought go all right and then get back to your meditation just say you do a 10 minute meditation if for 30 seconds your mind is blank and clear and just open it's still so beneficial for you and when you practice, you get better and better and you can go for longer stretches where your mind just kind of opens up. And I think that's a really sweet spot for a writer where their mind can go a little bit blank and just be completely open to possibilities. I know with my own experience that when I get to that point, especially if I'm not trying to force anything, like saying, okay, I'm doing a meditation because I want a new book idea. I don't do anything like that. I just meditate because it makes me feel good. And then when I'm doing that meditation, so often creative ideas will come through or when I was writing the Women's Circle, especially if I was in a little bit of a stuck point, often after meditation, this creative solution would come through. I'd be like, oh, of course, that's how it's going to work, you know, and I'd go and drop down a couple of little notes. So, yeah, I think just it's very similar to the creativity. If you're just meditating because you want to feel good and you just want to add a little bit of value or kind of enrich your day, it's perfect and the the benefits kind of just flow in from there. Mm. And also I think meditation doesn't have to be this weird thing where you sit for an hour with your back straight and, you know, omming chants or anything like that. It can be just laying in bed for five minutes with a nice peaceful song on your headphones and taking a few deep breaths. It can be as simple as that.
1: And and that whole idea of quietening the mind, it sort of makes space for those ideas to come in, doesn't it? Because we've got (laughs) such cluttered, busy minds that if we can just clear them a little bit, it opens up for other things
0: yeah absolutely it's very similar to when writers say that they get ideas when they're cooking or when they're in the shower or something like that because they are kind of just letting their mind relax a little bit Mm. um they're doing something but they don't have to think too much about it's quite similar to that except you're also giving your body a bit of a rest you're giving your nervous system a bit of a rest by doing some deep breathing and so it's just got that added benefit to it as well
1: So if there's anyone listening who's thinking, yeah, maybe I should give that a try, you know, and and see if meditation is something that resonates with me, what would you say would be the best place for them to start?
0: I started definitely by just going into YouTube and I would just search short guided meditations. That's kind of what I would put in. And there's so many things on there. And, And just look for the shorter kind of ones to start with. And I do think guided meditation is a great way to start because it gives you something to focus on if you do find it a bit hard to keep your mind still. So I've got lots of, I've got a few five minute guided meditations up on YouTube as well. If they search my name, I kind of tried to create what I was looking for when I was starting out in meditation, just super simple. Yeah, but I think that's the perfect way to start. Just go straight to YouTube. And I think before you kind of sit down to do the meditation, listen to it first. Just to make sure you like the voice, you like the music, mm. it's something you can relax to. And then we say, yep, yeah, that one sounds like for me. Then kind of give yourself, set up a little space for yourself, you know, kind of close your door, make sure you've got 10 minutes to yourself, you can light a little candle, like you can make it as special as you want it to be. Yeah, it's yeah. worth a try. I think everyone should
1: give it a go. I really do
0: think it's worth it.
1: I agree. And I think you've got some guided meditations on your website, don't you, Karen?
0: Yeah, that just links to YouTube. Yeah, so there's some free meditation today, definitely. And there's one specifically for creativity to kind of plant that seed of creativity within you and then go on about your day just trusting that ideas are going to flow.
1: Yeah, I think that's important, isn't it? Then not to put too yeah. much pressure on that whole meditation to suddenly exactly. come up with the, the next great novel idea. <laughs> exactly, because
0: otherwise you're just doing the same thing. You're just putting those expectations and judgments on it. It's it's definitely all about relaxing, letting go and just kind of trusting.
1: Yeah, well, I'll put links to the show notes to your you know, YouTube for people to so, Karen, are you working on another novel now or, or are you having a break and, and giving yourself some space? What's on your agenda?
0: Yeah. So, I do have a draft that I've got kind of ready to start reworking and thinking about that. But I think I'll do that later in the year because I'm just working full-time as a teacher at the moment and with homeschooling my own kids and things like that for the moment. That's kind of
1: my limit for now. And I'm just making sure I make time to be creative, just. joy as well fabulous and like you say you've got a full agenda at the moment with um the kids homeschooling (laughs) your own teaching that's right it's it's kind of enough for now (laughs) well karen it's been such a pleasure to chat to you but the last question i always ask in these episodes and usually by the time we get to to this point i think people have kind of worked it out but i'm going to ask you the last question is what is at the heart of your writing I love that question. I think for me,
0: it's all about spreading compassion and connection. So with, with my writing with my characters, I really hope to spread compassion for not just them, but for ourselves and for other people in their life. Because I think it's really important to always remember you never know someone's story when you first meet them. And we're so quick to judge people but I often write like I did with Anna and we go back into, into her past to see what happened, what led her to where she is today and we forget about that when we interact with other people and sometimes I think we, we don't have as much as compassion as we could and also compassion for ourselves and our story and what we've been through and what's led us up to where we are today and to be kind to ourselves and realise that, you know, most of the time we're just doing our best. And then also connection between, I usually have really strong connection between women in my stories. And I think it's important to remember how strong women are when we, we are connected together and how much we can uplift each other when we support each other. So that's usually what's at the heart of my writing.
1: I love that and I think that's what draws me to your book so much too because they're all things that I feel really strongly about. Thank you so much for taking the time out uh, and for joining me on the Convoy Couch. I know this is an episode that listeners are going to get so much from and congratulations on the Women's Circle. I'm sure it's going to do really beautifully and I think it's going to connect with the right readers. Thank you so much, Pamela, for your kind words and also this wonderful chat.
2: Thanks for listening to Rights for Women. I hope you've enjoyed my chat with this week's guest. If you did, I'd love it if you could add a quick rating or review wherever you get your podcasts so others can more easily find the episodes. Don't forget to check out the backlist on the Rights for Women website. So much great writing advice in the library there. And you can also find the transcript of today's chat on the website too. You can find details on the website on how to support the podcast through Patreon, and get exclusive access to the extended audio and video of the monthly craft episode. And you can connect with me through the website at writesforwomen.com, on Instagram and Twitter at W4W Podcast, the Facebook page, Writes for Women, or find me and my writing at pamelacook.com.au. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. And remember, every word you write, you're one word closer to typing the end.